Okay, good luck, good luck. Three weeks from the second night of Pesach now, for all of us that are starting to think in those directions. So here we are doing Friday's Tanya of Chafbez Adashini and Shabbos's of Chafkimo Adashini. So we said on Thursday, Thursday we began chapter 38. And we said the beginning of chapter 38 is sort of a transition, acknowledging the significance of action, because if you have tremendous intent, but don't move your lips, it doesn't count like you prayed or made a blessing. But going into the rest of the chapter, where we actually speak about the significance of intent, of kavana, of the involvement of the mind and the involvement of the heart, and why that is so significant. Because as we're saying already from the beginning of the chapter, there are two aspects to the mitzvah. And both aspects are significant. The only question is, if you only did one, at all, can we count and say you did the mitzvah? But those are two aspects to the mitzvah. Both are supposed to happen. And truly in every mitzvah, whatever the mitzvah is, a piece of every mitzvah is supposed to be kavana, intention. The involvement of your mind, and as we're going to explain primarily, the involvement of your heart in doing every single godly act that you do. So yesterday, on Friday, ah, the Rebbe said, but nevertheless, after I spent three chapters explaining the significance of action, our sages, the same sages who said that if you have no intention but move your lips, Bidyeved will say you got a pass and did the act, but those same sages said that if someone prays or makes any blessing, Without intention, it's like a body without a soul. So this is a Maimar Chazal. This is a saying of our sages. And what we're going to do here is analyze this and understand tremendous depth from this saying. So the saying again is, if you pray, or if you say a blessing, we'll just say prayer to make it shorter, someone prays. So we explained on Thursday that prayer has two components. There's an element that one must move their lips. There's an element that one must have intention. And we said on Thursday, if you move your lips and have no intention, we'll give you a pass. If you have all amazing supernal intentions, but don't move your lips, we can't count it like you did anything. Because if you don't move your lips, you didn't affect your animal soul in your body and the physical world, and that's what this is all about. But on Friday, we're continuing this theme and saying, but even though we're giving you a pass because you moved your lips, but our sages compare it to a body without a soul. Pretty strong comparison. A body without a soul, what does that mean? Now, what do they mean by that? Seemingly, we'd say, well, a body without a soul is sort of a nice way or a poetic way of saying a dead body. If one prays without intention, it's like a body without a soul i.e. a dead body. But the author says it can't be what it means. Because he just reminded us in the beginning of the chapter that if one prays without intention but did move their lips, they do get a check on their chart. 
it is considered like they did the mitzvah. So if it's considered like you did the mitzvah, it can't be equivalent to a dead body because a dead body means you did nothing. A dead body is a corpse. So our sages, the same sages that say if you move your lips and don't have intention, we'll give you a pass, can't be saying, and if you move your lips and don't have intention, it's like a corpse. That doesn't make any sense. It's like a corpse. They wouldn't be giving you any credit for it. So what does it mean? What did they mean by saying you have prayer, you don't have intention, it's like you have the body and don't have the soul? So the Al-Tarev explains very deep concept here. The Al-Tarev says that everything in our physical world has body and has soul. Everything. We think of soul as the domain of a person, or of a Jewish person. That's what I'm saying. Everything has soul. Meaning, there's the soul of the body. Like there's the soul of a piece of paper, or there's the soul of eyeglasses, or there's the soul of a flower, or there's the soul of a rabbit. Everything in this world has to have soul because soul is the spiritual energy that vivifies that physical thing. A rock has to have soul, otherwise it doesn't exist. Now, obviously, though, we can't compare the soul of the rock to the soul of the plant, to the soul of an animal, to the soul of the body of man, to the soul of the soul of man. Because the word soul here is a generic term for godly energy, for godly life. But on each level, there's a different amount of life needed to sustain that thing. Though, continuing this concept, coming into today's portion of Tanya, on one hand, we would say that really everything from this world should have the same soul life energy because everything from this world had to go through many, many contractions to get into this world. Many, many, many levels of constriction. And in general, we could view it that everything of this world of klipas noiga, which as we discussed already in the previous chapters, means a godly life force items of the world that are not innately prohibited, but are not innately holy, which is the bulk of our physical world. So that Klipas Neuge life force is like a tremendous constricting factory line of constriction, 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 until finally it can get into this world. So the time it squeezes into this world, it's so constricted Seemingly, everything coming out of that factory conveyor belt looks exactly the same. But it's really not. Even though, even, and there's a very interesting, even things that receive their energy from Cleopas Timaeus actually go through that same, what I'm calling, conveyor belt and, and factory line 
to squeeze the godly energy into this world. It's just then afterwards they get even more squeezed and then become Cleopas Mayo. That's as far as the Rebbe says between yesterday and today. These are a lot of very deep ideas. But just in case someone, I, I, I feel I want to explain more the answer than the amount we got between yesterday and today, because it's not clear yet the answer, but the Rebbe is sort of saying it and is going to express it more and more over the next few days. So let me just briefly review the question and briefly give over the answer. The question was, our sages are saying prayer without kavana, prayer without intent, like a body without a soul, a body without a soul, a dead body. Prayer without intent, a dead body. Impossible, because we just learned that prayer without intent still counts. So what does it mean? That's what the Rebbe was beginning to explain to us, or was explaining, that everything in this world has soul. So what does it mean a body without a soul? But the Rebbe is saying, and really in this chapter, we're going to look at it on two levels. Prayer without intent, on the first level, what we're comparing it to is, if we could compare the godliness of a body as versus the godliness of a soul, meaning we are souls and bodies. So in, in me, in every one of us, we have two dimensions of soul. We have the soul of our body, and we have the soul of our soul. Now, obviously, the soul of our soul, the spiritual energy, what we call our godly soul, is far more powerful spiritually than the spiritual energy of our body. But my, but my body does have a spiritual energy. It does have a soul to it. So if we look at prayer, we have two components. We have literally the fact that you're creating the body of prayer, which are those words. And we have the soul of prayer, which is the intent, your mind, especially your heart's involvement. So if you pray without that whole soul piece, without the intent, without the mind, without the heart, what do you left? You left with the body. Well, does that body have soul? Does that body have life energy? Yes, it does, just like your body has soul. But we can't compare the spirituality of your body to the spirituality of your soul. So the same way that's inconceivable, what the spirituality of my body was, the spirituality of my soul, my soul is my soul. That's my spiritual energy. My body is a piece of flesh that obviously has soul to it, has spirit to it, because otherwise it wouldn't exist. But I can't compare those two, right? That's what our sages are saying. If you pray without intention, You've created a body that doesn't have a soul. Does that body still have life force? Absolutely. Just like every physical thing has life force. A stone has life force. A piece of plastic has life, has spiritual life, has soul. If it didn't, it wouldn't exist. But the soul is so minimal. Then what the Rebbe was going on to explain in, in today's portion was saying that actually everything in our world, seemingly you could... This is sort of like phrasing almost as a, the question, the tie on what the Rebbe is saying. Seemingly, everything in our physical world has to have the same energy of soul because to get any godliness into our physical world is through such constrictions. Like I was giving the muscle of this conveyor belt situation. There's such constrictions, constrictions, constrictions until godliness can slip into this world, can squeeze into this world. So you could say by that point, what difference does it make? So this is the spirituality of a rock, and this is the spirituality of a piece of plastic, and this is the spirituality of a body, and this is a godly soul. Does it really make a difference 
it's all been so limited and minimized by its process to actually take godliness and bring it into a physical world. That was, in a sense, what we were doing in today's Tanya, which is almost raising a question, which does not get answered today. But tomorrow, we're going to explain how even though, in a sense, one can say it's all the same energy because it got all got squeezed so intently, but there's a tremendous difference. Just like, obviously, the spiritual energy of a body must be tremendously different than the spiritual energy of a soul. The spiritual energy of prayer without intention must be tremendously different than the spiritual energy of prayer without intention, with intention. So what precisely is kavana? What is it doing to that spiritual energy when seemingly it all is the same by the time it gets into our world? So that's what we'll start to explain tomorrow, how kavana opens up the spiritual energy to be as expressive as a difference between the spirituality of your soul and the spirituality of your body. Any questions? Okay. So we continue tomorrow.